Well, good evening, everyone. I always have a dream when I start giving talks to just sit in silence for an hour and see what comes up. (laughs) I think the deepest teachings will unfold in you. Um, But I want to start by saying congratulations. You've made it to day two. And uh, we know that this path is unfolding, and we know that it's not easy. Uh, It takes a lot of courage to show up to this practice. Um, It was great to have a chance to connect with uh, a few of you today and, and just see how the practice is unfolding for each of you. Uh, acknowledging the effort, the dedication of practice, and also the challenges that are coming up. I want to start by reading a poem from a a book. It's called The First Free Women, and it's an adaptation of the Terigata, which is um, the books of the, the first nuns, apparently, that fully awakened at the time of the Buddha. And this is an adaptation from Mati Wengas, who I think still lives here in Barrie. And I had this book um, a few years ago, um, just at the start of COVID, so in 2020. I sat uh, a three-month retreat alone in the woods in, in Canada. And um, I had this book by my bedside, and I, every night I would just open it and see what was the teaching that would come up. And almost every night, I would have a few tears reading. I always felt like the nuns were talking to me and sending me their, their blessing in some way or encouragement. So I want to start the, the evening by reading um, a poem from Vijaya, Victor. That's the name of that nun. When everyone else was meditating, I'd be outside, circling the hall. Finally, I went to confess. I'm hopeless, I said. The elder nun smiled. Just keep going, she said. Nothing stays in in orbit forever. If this circling is all you have, why not make this circling your home? I did as she told me and went on circling the hall. If you find yourself partly in and partly out, if you find yourself drawn to this path and also drawing away, I can assure you, you're in good company. Just keep going. Sometimes the most direct path isn't a straight line. Sometimes the most direct path isn't a straight line. And I think it's a good reminder for each of us on this path. Um, either we've We've met this practice through, you know, mindfulness-based approach or insight practice. That this practice has its ups and downs. Um, it's a bit like going on a road trip. We don't know uh, what we'll meet on the road. Um, and this practice transforms our life in very subtle ways. And times very powerful ways that are quite vivid and we, you know, uh, we are moved by them. And sometimes it's really by just meeting those challenges one moment at a time. Wisdom, peace, awakening, the possibility of this path. And I kept on sharing this morning, it's often a word that I share uh, with practitioners to not forget that this practice is a word I really appreciate in English, onward leading, 
onward leading. So each breath, each moment, meeting with awareness leads directly. It's a direct path to more peace and less suffering. And there can be moments where we we forget that. A bit like this nun, we forget the potential of this practice. We feel lost a bit. There's a teacher in uh, on the West Coast, a dear teacher of of ours. His name is uh, Gil Fransdahl, and he talks about the depth of this practice in this way. He says that somehow the depth, the core of what this Dharma practice is about, it's not up to you. Something's going to be working through you. And it's nothing mystical. It's not like coming from outside. It's a potential, a possibility that lives in your own heart, right here, right now. The biological imperative for liberation. And again, I love this reminder that this potential, potential can feel far away, but I want to bring it back, that it's just here in this moment, in our own heart. Um, When I was doing this retreat in the forest uh, a few years ago, um, um, I was, uh, thank you technology for this, I was connecting with my dear teacher that are, and they have a center in Nepal, and um, uh, Sayale Upada Manika, she's a Burmese nun, and, and she was constantly repeat to me, you know, when, when I get caught up in challenges and difficulties, to just trust and surrender. She said, repeat this as often as, as you want, just trust and surrender to your practice. So maybe at times when challenges, you know, they take a lot of space in the mind, just remind, re- reminding ourselves, okay, can I trust this path? Peace is just right here. Just right here. And then we forget again, and we get lost in the movement of the mind. And Ajahn Chah, uh, great master, Thai forest uh, teacher, the teacher of of many of our teachers, um, used to say that sometimes this practice can feel like walking into a hurricane. Has it been like that today a little bit in your mind? Um, Just want to name that, you know, this is really part of the practice. Feeling like a hurricane, like it's... uh, bad weather inside the mind, you know. Maybe some sleepiness happening, I think for a lot of us having that. Maybe some wanting mind arising or um, not wanting to be here, for example. These are the movements of the mind. And these are actually beautiful forces of nature that we are here to get to understand. We're training the mind to meet uh, all those ups and downs, all those movements of the mind. And something that we have to remember, you know, our practice, meditation, it's not separate from the rest of life, you know. This is nature unfolding in us. And we're learning to navigate this, this nature in us. There's a dear teacher, Zenju Artlin Manuel, um, who says there is nothing more powerful than looking out on nature and seeing the varied expressions of life, taking in its myriad forms that touch our hearts or that disturbs them. We ourselves are just as magnificent as anything expressed in nature as nature. And this is an important part. We are just as magnificent. And often we lose track of that. You know, when we're sitting in practice, we forget, you know, the, the beauty that's there in each of us. So we get to meet ourselves in practice. 
touch into our humanity with humility, with patience, with courage. Um, and I feel for uh, a lot of us, and a bit like the Buddha, like uh, Bob was sharing yesterday, we're here because we want to understand what does it mean to be a human being? Um, how can I actually um, befriend myself in a way that there is more kindness in this being and kindness in the world. So we get to meet those ups and downs, the uh, agitation, the sleepiness, the boredom, the discomfort, the judging, the doubt, times. And at times, a bit like this nun, we might be asking, where is the peace in all of this? Was it the case today for some of you? Where is the peace at times? Is it going to be in the next walking, in the next sitting? Maybe tomorrow? And again, just a name that it's not a mistake. It's part of the road. So tonight I want to touch into uh, what um, in this Buddhist tradition, and I'm sure... uh, You've heard of these before, but they're good reminders. Uh, Those obstacles, those challenges that we meet in practice, which are called the five nivaranas in Pali, or the five hindrances. So they're called hindrances because they hinder or they obstruct the mind. Um, There's less clarity in meeting the reality of each moment. And we get caught up in them, so normal. We get lost in those five obstacles. Um, I love the five hindrances. Uh, they were actually the first teacher, teachings I've ever received when I was... Um, I went to practice at the beginning of 2000 in, in Thailand. I didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> Um, but I felt called, and I felt a bit lost, like Bob was sharing yesterday. Uh, you know, I was a young adult and um, didn't know what this crazy world was all about. Why am I here? What's the reason for being here? And there, uh, I read one book that gave me a, a great inspiration, and then I decided I'm going to go practice in Thailand. So I arrived at the monastery, and... Uh, uh, the monks and nuns and some of the lay teachers, they gave me a sheet of paper. And I thought I had brought it, but I think I might have forgot it at home. But there was five pictures, five images of um, different being caught up in those five obstacles. And the only thing my teacher said is, watch out for these. <laughs> So there was one that was kind of trying to get something. The other one was sleeping like this. And they're quite funny images, but you remember them. The other one that had interrogation points everywhere. And the other one, lots of thoughts. And, um, but they are a part of our practice. And, you know, there's a reason why they're clearly stated in, in the classical teaching in the Satipatthana Sutta and the foundation of mindfulness because they are part of our life. And so often we might feel that those obstacles are something that we need to push away. Actually, we need to welcome them, to find a way to meet them skillfully, Uh, so that we don't get lost in them, but they're going to show up. So what are those five hindrances? So you can check how it was for you today, which of those were part of your daily practice. So the first hindrance is uh, desire to sense pleasure, or sometimes we make it short and we talk about this wanting mind. So our, our, our mind keeps being drawn to, to pleasure. Sounds interest us. Uh, colors distract us. We have great ideas of the world, how the world should be. We fantasize or dream away our next vacation, maybe. Um, 
thinking of, you know, maybe things that were uh, appreciating at home, thinking of our emails, I hope not too much, cell phone. Um, and in retreat, it can be quite interesting just to notice, you know, this constant search for um, happiness outside of what's happening right now. Maybe you all by now have found your place in the dining room that you like, or your walking path outside or inside, that it's yours. How many times did you check the board today? Something new there to read? (laughs) You don't put much out there, but it's such an entertaining place. And some of us were sharing this morning, and I can really relate, reading all the bottles, the shampoo bottles, any of the things that we have sitting in the toilet. What can I read? <laughs> and this is the mind that wants to be entertained. There's this, and we can feel it in the body, this kind of pulling us outside of what's happening here. So it's just interesting to notice that, this pooling, that mind, this mind that wants something. You know, maybe we're planning our next retreat. Um, maybe we're planning, you know, um, next thing we want to buy, beautiful shawl, all of that. We can see the mind kind of drawn to things that are outside of us, around us, that I want. We see something from... Our fellow practitioner, oh, that looks comfortable. I should buy this. And, and again, this is what the mind does. It's drawn to outside pleasure. And then we have the opposite, this aversion or ill will, a second hindrance, this not wanting what's happening. And this one can be, you know, uh, can be quite powerful, can move us, there can be strong anger that comes up, you know, memories and anger coming up. Uh, Pain in the body. Who hasn't met aversion with pain in the body today? You know, it comes and goes, it shows up. Um, And it can feel really like this this force that is moving through us and uh, as a particular way that we're rejecting this moment. If only this, if only mine, if only this was like that. If only there was less walking meditation. If only there was more of this, of, or not, not this or that. So how much the mind, you know, wants or rejects uh, what's happening and again, it's very interesting to notice when we're wearing this filter, when the mind is being hindered by this, um, this filter of aversion. Boredom might be part of it also. It can bring up uh, aversion. Um, and then there's a third hindrance of um, sleepiness or slot and torpor. Um, I think it's a favorite one for a lot of us. <laughs> and I often share with folks, I think it would be great if we would all have a week of just sleeping and then we come on retreat. And then we would feel rested and happy to be here. But it's the dullness of the mind, the heaviness of the body. Um, it can be this lack of interest that comes up. Um, not interested enough in the present moment, so the mind kind of sink in, sinks in. And then the fourth is restlessness and worry or remorse. And that can bring, you know, it's this agitation in the mind, this inability to calm the mind. There's a lot of thoughts that comes up. And the mind is occupied by things that we should be doing or we, we, we would rather be doing right now. Um, there are important things I need to figure out today uh, for next week back at home. 
So the mind is occupied. It's occupied by remorse, by worry. And sometimes in this category, we also include fear. Fear can come with aversion. It can also come with agitation. And the last one is doubt, skeptical doubt. Um, Why am I here? um, Doubt about the teaching. I should be doing a different kind of practice. I should be at a different place. Doubt about our own capacity to, to do the practice, to be here. You might have doubt about the teachers. That's fine. We can take that. <laughs> it's part of the job. <laughs> um, yeah, does this really work? Am I really, uh, am I really at the right place right now? So it's good to just check in. Has, has some of those thoughts come in today? in your mind, visited you. And can also feel this skeptical doubt by this endless circling of the mind. Just keeps on going and going. This lack of trust in, in our own capacity. And then what we call, uh, we can say sometimes that this, there can be this multiple hindrance, hindrance attack. So maybe you've noticed that today, that there's a lot of different hindrances that are coming up. You don't have one that's your favorite one. You have maybe a few that comes up at the same time. So just want to say once again that this is part of the path. Um, Each of us are going through this. Um, I was talking with Bob uh, a few days ago. Uh, days are now kind of in another realm. <laughs> What's a day? We were sh- sharing about the hindrances a bit, and you know, if you, we look at the, um, some of you have done the MBSR course. You know, often after the third course, um, we call it the end of the honeymoon phase. So we've found this practice, and we. Wow, I found this, and this is it. And, and then we start practicing, and then there's kind of this, oh, but yeah, but it's not that easy or not that. And there's the kind of going down, the energy is going down a bit. So right now, we're kind of in that realm on retreat. So you're right on point if there's a lot of hindrances, attack that's happening. You know, the first few days of retreat... We're arriving, you know, we're so happy we made it. You know, for a lot of us, it takes a lot of effort to come on a retreat. So the first day is like, yeah, I'm here. This is great. Second day, oh. (laughs) Maybe I should have booked something somewhere else. Or there's a spa. We were sharing that this morning. Or maybe someplace warmer. I was talking to someone in at home um, earlier today uh, that call for um, something for my parents and he said uh, so are you at least at a warm place no I'm not <laughs> but we could be going through you know those thoughts um, you know that we should be somewhere else and just again to name that this is part of we're right on time uh, for for this to come up on practice, in practice. So the, uh, there's so many ways, you know, the hindrances are talked in different ways, of different simile, uh, similar or images that the Buddha um, uh, brought forward for us to maybe have a bit more clarity about the hindrances. And uh, this wanting mind, it's a bit like we've colored the water of the lake, uh, you know, a clear lake where we can see the bottom is a mind that is, you know, filled with with wisdom and clarity. So the wanting is we've we've colored the water, so we don't see fully. There's there's dye in the water. This not wanting mind is a bit like the water is being boiled. There's a boiling sensation. We can feel it in the body when aversion is there. You know, a lot of sensation coming up. With sleepiness, it's overgrown with algae. Uh, we can't really see, we can feel it, you know, this energy there. 
with restlessness and worry. It's a bit the water of the lake is being stirred by the wind. And doubt is this muddy water. We just can't see clearly. We're stuck in the mud. I love those images because sometimes we can just notice the quality of our mind right now. It, and it can helps us, help us to see that it's, it's not personal to me. Again, this is nature unfolding. This is what's unfolding right now in this mind. I don't need to get attached to it. I don't need to identify even to those movements. This is what's happening right now. Another uh, way of talking about that, uh, one of my friends and, and teacher, Pascal Auclair, he talks sometimes about wearing glasses. What glasses are you re- wearing right now? I'm wearing the uh, glasses of wanting. So I'm, they're pink and everything is beautiful and I want more of this. Or they're, uh, they're, they're cloudy or dusty. I can't see clearly. And we're putting on those glasses. Wake up in the morning. Which glasses are we putting on? And and the key here is to be mindful of them. Mindfulness again. (laughs) If there's one thing that we can remember, we need mindfulness everywhere. Mindfulness is the key. So the more we become aware of this... uh, of what's, what's hindering, what's clouding the mind, the less we get caught up in it, the more we can, you know, in some way appreciate it for what it is. Okay, this is the sleepy mind. There's nothing more um, hurtful in some way to be fighting reality. So yeah, sleepiness is there. Can I meet that with some kind of kindness or compassion? Or even curiosity, maybe. Matsu Ricard has a, a quote that, that really works for me uh, lately and brings me back to just what's happening now. He said, says, tend to the moment. Tend to the moment. The days, the months, the years will tend to themselves. Tend to the moment. The days, the months, the years will tend to themselves. So when we notice, you know, the mind kind of projecting outside something, just this moment, the rest will be taking care of itself as we cultivate mindfulness. And then we have to remember, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? I want to share um, a quote from Richard Wagamez that I, I quoted um, a few days ago. And he's having a conversation with an old woman, an elder, um, and talking about you know, this practice. So he starts by asking, what if we're wrong? The old woman responds, wrong about What? With his wisdom, with her wisdom. All this ceremony, meditation, prayer, what if at the end of it, all there is is nothing? The old woman responds, then we will still come out better people. How? he asks. Can you think of a better way to live than in gratitude? Can you think of a better way to be than to be kind, loving, compassionate, respectful, courageous, courageous, truthful, present, and forgiven? Even if we're wrong, can you think of a better way to breathe than through all that? I couldn't. I can't. I continue. So sometimes when we get moved by all those movements of the mind, can just come back and remember 
what we're doing here and the force and the power of just showing up of just inviting kindness in our mind, just the power of that. Even if, the, if at the end of it all there's nothing, what more is better than cultivating the sense of meeting what's there with kindness, with compassion, with care? So we have to remember what we're planting, what seeds are we planting. And and to remember that the challenges are part of the road. This is a path of non-resistance in some way. And we learn to navigate those forces without uh, being caught in them, without controlling or identifying with all. So we have to turn those, those obstacles as, as meditation object in some way. And in some way, a sense of, of connection, connecting what's, with what's there. Dr. Gabor Maté, that some of you might know, he says, safety is not in the absence of threat. It's in the presence of connection. So to learn to feel safe in ourself, we have to connect. We have to connect. So I want to share just a few uh, ways that we can you know, be with all of those obstacles. Yes, mindfulness, noticing what's present, noticing when the hindrances are absent. And there's different ways that we can meet, or different antidotes, that we can meet those different hindrances. So with, with sense desire, it's, uh, it can be quite helpful to reflect on the um, on this reality of impermanence, you know, the impermanent nature of sense pleasure. You know, we get something, and then it passes, and constantly wanting more, and it passes. And it's not that we can't enjoy you know, the beauty in life, but just to remember that if we hold on too tight, there's going to be suffering. So to remember just the changing movement of, um, of this reality. Inviting contentment. Can it be okay as it is right now without having this beautiful shawl or this extra cushion that I want or this place in the dining room? Can it be okay? There was um, there's a saying that the Buddha says that, and Joseph Goldstein says that, you know, might be the, one of the most powerful phrases to remember. And apparently, some monks and nuns awaken when they heard that. So be ready. <laughs> I always find a way to bring it in a talk because you never know. <laughs> It's, and it says, nothing whatsoever should be clung to. Nothing whatsoever should be clung to. So this wanting mind that wants something and then we get attached to it. Just remember the teaching of the Buddha. The sense of contentment and not attach ourselves to uh, things that are around us. And there's different practices um, that we can do to help us kind of release this sense of clinging. It could be clinging to the body, clinging to, you know, health and um, all the ways that we, we, we don't want to change. We don't want to um, feel, you know, the changing aspect of reality like the 32 parts of the body that Bob spoke about, can be a great way to meet the hindrance of of wanting and let go of this clinging that we can have. And with this wanting, there's also this this way of, can we fully accept ourselves as we are right now? We live in a society where we're constantly being asked to be something more. And in this practice, we're, we're kind of learning the opposite. That right now, 
this is enough. Can I meet what's there with, uh, with kindness? And we can invite those uh, different qualities of, of gratitude, you know. And gratitude can be quite um, supportive on retreat. Just gratitude is privilege to be on retreat. Um, and we can touch into the quality of mudita, you know, inviting joy with what's there, or joy for the joy of people around us. I was... Um, Two years ago, I, I love sharing this story. I, um, when my niece, Anouk, was born, um, I started putting $10 in a bank account every two weeks. There was $10 that went into that bank account. And I told her, when you're um, 18, you can have this money either to travel. I would love her to travel and see the world. Or you can use it for education, that's good, but I'm the cool aunt, so <laughs> you should do something fun with it. Um, and uh, yeah, so she knew that was there. Uh, but two years ago, she turned 16, and it was just kind of the end of the COVID era, and um, she said, Roxanne, can we... 16 is a good age. <laughs> can we use this money now and, and travel and go somewhere? You know, it's been hard the last two years. And I said, yeah, sure. Okay, why not? And I said, do you want to go with a friend? What do you want to do with, with this money? And so, no, no, we, we traveled together and we're going to Ireland. I said, okay, Ireland. Surprise. At 16, I think I would have picked some, something else. But <laughs> there's no beach. There is, there is. <laughs> But my view of, of, of warmth, like Greece and the blue water, but no, Ireland. Ireland, yeah, sorry my accent sometimes. <laughs> and um, it's actually beautiful, such a beautiful country, and the, uh, the scenery and the roads and the people, people there are amazing. So we actually went there in, in June two years ago, and I rented a car, and drove on the other side of the road and, um, and we had an amazing trip. We went all around and, and we came back and um, a lot of joy there. And a few months after my sister, I was talking with my sister and she shared with me, she said, uh, did Anouk tell you what, what she watches every night uh, about your trip? And uh, I said, I don't know, maybe one of the you know, beautiful plays by the ocean that we went, or maybe listening to the waves or something, or the, uh, we went to some pubs, I brought her <laughs> some of the music there. Um, but no, it was actually just a video of me driving and laughing. And um, it always touched me very deeply, First, we could have done that in Montreal. <laughs> we don't see Ireland at all in this video. <laughs> but I'm crying, I'm laughing, I'm, I'm, I, you know, it was kind of the end of the trip. We were, anyways, and um, it's, yeah, it's two minutes of me crying, laughing, and trying to drive with, as I'm laughing. And... Um, and, and it shows, you know, this is an example for me when I think of joy and having the joy of the joy of someone. She laughs, she has a lot of joy of watching me be joyful. And in that I can see there's not this wanting to go back or to, you know, there can be this movement of the mind when we come back from something great that we've experienced, we want it again. But here there's just this contentment, this, ah, you know, this moment of joy that we can touch into. That's not lacking something. It's full in itself. So that's what we want to touch into when we notice our mind kind of going towards wanting, wanting something more to happen. And sometimes it can be remembering those moments of contentment or of joy that we had in our life. And then in this moment there is enough, there is enough. And on, on the opposite, yeah, 
you know, when uh, we're caught up in this, if only this was there, we get caught up in anger or resentment, and um, there's a need to soften the mind here, softening the mind. And, and sometimes I have this this mantra that comes up when, you know, something annoys me. Um, you know, and on retreat there can be a lot that annoys us. Um, it's so interesting to notice how sensitive we become, and then maybe one sound, like why is this down there, or one thing that we want to be different, and um, and often often I bring to mind this this phrase that I, I heard a while ago. One um, one teacher sitting here, Brian Lesage, who said. Um, do I want to be right or do I want to be free? And I tell myself that a lot of time. I'm often right. <laughs> but I can let go and maybe be less caught up in wanting things to be my way. Actually, I want to be free. So maybe I can kind of let go of that clinging to things need to be a particular way. So when I see aversion rising up in me, in the mind, it's like, okay, is this worth kind of arguing with? Or can I, can I open and maybe um, invite some softness here? And again, aversion can come with meeting the body. And of course, that's not, that's not easy. You know? um, pain in the body can bring up you know, a lot of things. Uh, just meeting the pain, the discomfort of being in this, in this body that's changing. So we need to bring a lot of kindness, a lot of kindness and compassion to uh, this body that's doing its best, and then there's discomfort that's there. So really having a lot of of care and not pushing, not forcing, opening, you know, to uh, sometimes what we say is a bigger container so that we can just open the space around the body uh, so that we can hold, you know, the discomfort and not add those layers of aversion. And again, just the name that it's not easy. You know, we know that it's not easy to be with the struggle of the body and the addition of the struggle of the mind. And with slot and torpor, there's many things that we can do, like standing up. That's great. And, and we've been seeing a lot of folks you know, standing up when the body is sleepy, um, opening the eyes. And there's all those little tricks that you've heard, you know, maybe taking deeper breaths. Um, and I've heard something once, and I think I've read in the classical teaching, pulling the ears. <laughs> wakes you up. I often joke that this is why some of the Buddha have long ears. <laughs> um, it never really worked, the pulling of the hair, but you can try it out. But with sleepiness, you know, what I often say and is, 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 again, we arrive tired, so rest is necessary. So the first few days, we can't say it enough that, you know, if you feel there's a rest that is needed, rest. And then we need to find that balance, you know, that balance with this right effort of also sometimes needing to bring the energy to show up. And it can be, I can say maybe miraculous at times that, you know, the energy shifts. I showed up, I did some walking meditation, and ah, there's brightness in the mind. And sometimes with sleepiness, you know, it's good also to name that there can be ways that you know, when strong emotion comes up, uh, there's a way that the body or the mind is protecting itself. And then, let's not face this fear. Let's go to sleep instead. So just to name that, sometimes we can check into that. If there's a tendency of the mind of always going towards sleepiness, what's behind it? And we don't want to be forcing or searching for an answer, but just having this open question. Is there something there? Is there an emotion there that, that maybe we're not fully acknowledging? With restlessness and worry, we really want to 
and fully allow ourselves to welcome what's there. In some way, when, you know, when there's particular stories, sometimes you know there's stories that happen to us that are coming up on retreat. We might be revisiting, you know, um, memories from the past or uh, the stories of our lives. You know that are, you know, can be quite difficult. So we want to honor what's there, honor those stories, acknowledge them, and not push them away. So a sense of welcoming welcoming them but not you know without without uh, going into kind of the storyline and keep on adding to the storyline welcoming acknowledging honoring what's ha- what happened and maybe the thoughts that are coming up and then how can i bring some kindness some compassion a sense of maybe soothing to the mind so sometimes we need to come back to practices like self-compassion, you know, honoring, yeah, this is difficult right now. This is difficult. It's like this right now. This is not easy. And may I be at ease. May I be at peace. And welcoming ourselves like we would, you know, to um, a dear friend of ours. Sylvia Borstein have a, has a, a way sometimes of being with thoughts that I, I appreciate. And I, I heard that a long time ago. And she said, you know, with some particular thoughts that we know they're going to bring us in a, um, down the road. We don't know where it's going to end. <laughs> she said, don't pick this up. Don't pick this up. So we know those thoughts that can be quite sticky just notice when they come up and don't pick it up. And if you picked it up, if the mind picked it up, put this down, put this down. So just having a lot of care and softness towards what's unfolding in our mind. And then doubt. When doubt comes up, there's an invitation to have a lot of trust in our practice. Um, again, come back to our intention, you know, what gave me the energy to, to do this practice? Um, and we need, again, to bring a lot of mindfulness, knowing what's unfolding right now, knowing the condition, you know. Some of us, you know, we, we're all, each of us have our own stories and our own conditioning and own, you know, ways of being and... And we might have particular, you know, inner patterns that constantly says, you know, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. So we want to watch out for those, for those tendencies of the mind. And again, bring compassion towards those tendencies. I, um, I teach, uh, I used to teach, I haven't taught in the last year, but I used to teach a lot in a, in a prison in, near Montreal where I live. And to a group of men who are are there for a long period, um, and um, we had the great privilege of being able to offer a ten day retreat for them because they were moving to another um, another place, so we could have a section of the prison and do a ten day retreat with them. Um, so they were doing uh, more of the Cuenca style practice. So it was an hour sitting, ten minutes break, an hour sitting, ten minutes break. So quite, uh, they were doing it. And we would wake up at four and go to bed at ten. So we're, we're easy here. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's all good practice. Um, so we were, were doing this practice with them and and and. I remember at the end of the of the ten day retreat, um, a man came to me and was so excited. He was like, "Roxanne, Roxanne, I have to tell you something." And he said, "You know, I was sitting and um, it was very difficult. And then there was a time when there was so much anger in the body." He said, "You know, the image of the boiling water. It was boiling. Every ounces of my being was boiling." So much anger. And there were, I had so much anger because you wouldn't ring the bell. <laughs> so maybe that happened to you today. 
But he said, I, you know, instead of going up and being like, and I want to do this, you know, I stayed. And I found when he said that, there was, there was kindness there. He said, I stayed. I paid attention to the sensation in my body. There was so much heat in the body. There was tingling, and then it was just pulsing at the throat. And he was describing in such, so much detail the experience of being with this kind of anger. And um, he said, I, I, I was with it, and I was actually, I became curious, and I didn't want it to end, and it was so interesting. And then the anger just became sensations, and then it passed. And he said, for me, that moment when I noticed that it wasn't there anymore, I started crying. I had tears coming down. And when he was sharing that, it was quite moving. And it's, it's been uh, a long time. And every time I talk about this, I can see, and even today, I know the impact that that moment had for him. And said, now I can be with anger and I know I don't need to act with it. I can actually meet it and befriend it. And he said, this, Roxanne, I think this will change my life. So for each of us, you know, we're all battling different battles on the cushion. And if people knew back home what we're going through, you know, again, they might think we're at a spa. We're not at a spa. It's not easy, you know, it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to, to do this practice. And we, each of us will learn how to navigate those movements. Can we bring more kindness, um, more compassion? To, yeah, it's actually not easy being with the breath, being with those movements in the mind. And seeing ways where, how can I become friend with those movements? And the more we become friend with those movements, the less they have um, an impact on us. Again, from the, the book of the first three women, this is um, a sharing from the nun Mita, which means friend. Full of trust, you left home. And soon you learn to walk the path, making yourself a friend to everyone and making everyone a friend. When the whole world is your friend, fear will find no place to call home. And when you make the mind your friend, you'll know what trust really means. Listen. I have followed this path of friendship to its end and I can say with absolute certainty it will lead you home. And when you make the mind your friend you'll know what trust really means. It will lead you home. So we're on this path of friendship. It might not always look like it, but we're on this path to learn to become friend with our own mind. So meeting these obstacles, these ups and downs, these challenges are really an important part of it. Um, they're actually a gift in some way. And you might say, yeah, yeah, it's easy to say. You don't know what I've been through. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then it's how, how can we meet that? How can we bring compassion and become, you know, our best friend? Become a, a best friend with our mind. And here, one thing that's important is that You know, when we're on retreat like this, we want to be interested in the process. What's unfolding? What's the process unfolding? And less with the content. 
That's something that really clicked when I heard that the first time. I want to be interested more by the process that's unfolding. What's moving through me? What's changing? What's shifting? And less with the content. Okay, so many things to share, but I think I'll keep the rest for later. Yeah, okay. So just one last sharing, maybe I'll say. So as we do this practice, this path of friendship, there's also this invitation to remember that this is... um, This is a path of wonder. We don't know what's going to unfold and how it's going to unfold. There's this invitation that we never know. So I'll end with a sharing from our dear Richard Wagamez. He says, The beginning of wisdom is the same as its attainment, wonder. The truest statement in the world is, you never know. There is always something to evoke wonder, to wonder about, because this world, this life, this universe, this reality, is far more than just the sum of its part. Even the slightest detail contains much more. The overwhelming awe, and wonder we feel teaches us more than we can ever glean or come to know of things. In the presence of that wonder, the head has no answers and the heart has no questions. In the presence of that wonder, the head has no answers and the heart has no questions. So let's just sit with that. May our practice together be for the benefit of all beings. May we learn to make the mind our friend. May we open to that wonder you never know.
Thank you for your kind listening. So we have some time for a bit of walking, and then we'll have some some loving kindness before going to bed. Okay. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.